the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're coming to the ninth chapter of Hebrews, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 5. It's considered one of the most difficult books of the Bible, and not an easy one to study. But for those of you who have hung in there and have been open to the Spirit's revelation, you've found it a great blessing, as I have. It is, as the elder theologians have said, strong meat, not for the spiritual infant who practices being distracted, but for those who have determined to press on in their higher calling. It is truly a spiritual feast. Now, as has been said many times, this letter can be difficult because Gentiles have little appreciation for the Old Covenant from a Jewish perspective, and I assume the majority of you are Gentiles. Also, few Gentiles know anything about Judaism and the Jewish culture in which the recipients of this letter lived. Hebrews may seem to Gentile Christians as irrelevant because it was written to Christian Hebrews, and that's really a carnal perspective. First, because regardless of the historical context, the whole of Scripture is a spiritual work written by God himself, by the Spirit of God, to be a revelation to the people of God. Secondly, in Galatians 3.28, we read, There is neither Greek nor Jew, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. So it was written to the one. And in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, which is a verse in the Amplified, should be read quite often because it reminds us that all Scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error and restoration of obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted, and thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, we feel so ill-equipped most of the time to go forward. Our confidence in God's 
presence and in his life within us is limited by our limited understanding of the God we have. This is, doesn't mean that if you read more, you're more spiritual. It means that the greater the acquaintance you have with your God, the more you'll be confident in the God you have an acquaintance with. Well, we endeavor tonight to know the Spirit's revelation in both the Old Covenant and the New. And the author has finished the 8th chapter by pointing out that the Old Covenant was to disappear. God had promised through the prophet Jeremiah that there would be a new covenant, which has now come and been fulfilled in the completed work of Christ. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 13 reads, which we've looked at last week, when God speaks of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And where whatever is becoming obsolete, out of use, annulled, and growing old is ready to disappear. Now God did not call this new covenant another covenant, or the second covenant, or the sequel. He called it the new covenant, making the old obsolete. The old is the sacred work of God and not to be disregarded. Through the old, God introduced man to his righteousness and made plain man's sin, his sinful condition, his transgress. As one theologian pointed out, the greatest obstacle to the Hebrews' faith is their failure to see that everything in the ceremonial law was only a ritual. The enemy is really good at getting us to confuse the means with the end, isn't he? Or as my mentor was fond of saying, that the good is always the enemy of the best. And I see that in the modern church. So many are, have confused the means for the end. They're about the programs, about the functionality of the church itself. And those things are not wrong to be concerned with, but they're wrong-headed. And what... The author of Hebrews is, is literally addressing is not something that's just a Jewish concern. It is our concern, even in this day, that we don't get distracted, that we don't look away from the author and finisher of our faith. But we put our eyes, we fix our eyes upon him who is our goal, who is our life, who is our purpose. Now, <clears throat> the end for every man should be relationship with the Creator. That is the point. The author is showing the Hebrew Christian that a relationship with God is impossible without a new covenant that has been ratified through Jesus Christ. The old and all of its laws and rituals could not bring a man near to God. The old covenant was founded on three things. Three things. The priesthood, that is the mediator, the sacrificial system, and the covenant itself. And the author shows that Jesus is a superior priest, and his sacrifice is superior, and he mediates a superior covenant, and the whole thing is eternal, not temporary. Now, he's going to illustrate this by reminding the Hebrews of the tabernacle, its establishment, its temporary nature, its furnishings, and their purposes. And all of these illustrate the temporal and inferior nature of the Old Covenant. 
Now, as has been pointed out, this again is not to be disregarded. Do you know God took six days to create the heavens and the earth? Six days and 40 days to give Moses the design, to explain Moses the design of the temple. Now, I don't think that's because Moses was a bit dull. He's up on Mount Sinai in the burning presence and the glory of the Lord. I'd be, I'd be a bit distracted. I don't know about you. But in that place, God not only gives him the dimensions, the details, the specifics of the tabernacle, which is what we're talking about, and you'll hear me say temple occasionally, but it's the tabernacle. Not only is he doing that, but he's explaining their purpose. And that's why it takes 40 days. Because Moses had no idea, no conception, no understanding of what God had planned beyond what he had been through. So he's going to remind them of what the tabernacle was about. The tabernacle is a picture of Christ, a picture of Christ in the midst of man. It was representative of God's presence and pointed to Christ who would dwell among us. John 1.14 says, And the word Christ became flesh and lived among us, and we actually saw his glory, glory as belongs to the one and only begotten Son of the Father, the Son who is truly unique, the one, only one of his kind, who is full of grace and truth and absolutely free of deception. Christ was the revelation of God become flesh among men. So the author of Hebrews only mentions those things in the tabernacle that illustrate or deal with the ministry of Christ as our high priest in the true spiritual sanctuary. In the letter, he doesn't really go into great detail because he's writing to the Hebrews who had already a great familiarity with the tabernacle and its function, but not its purpose in pointing to Christ. So let's begin by reading our text in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. Would you please stand with me as I read? Now, even the first covenant had regulations for divine worship and for the earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle, sacred tent, was put up. The outer one, or first section, in which were the lampstand and the table with its loaves of the sacred showbread. This is called the holy place. Behind the second veil, there was another tabernacle. The inner one, or second section, known as the Holy of Holies, having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered entirely with gold. This contained a golden jar which held the manna and the rod of Aaron that sprouted and the two stone tablets of the covenant inscribed with the Ten Commandments. And above the Ark were the golden cherubim, of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. But we cannot now go into the details about these things. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, I will warn you, I am not going to follow my typical verse-by-verse format, nor am I going to be as brief as the author of Hebrews was in describing the tabernacle, because 
There is so much depth involved in the way God constructed the tabernacle, and every bit of it is relevant to you. I looked at a lot of different descriptions. Some of them were rich in their historicity. Some were very eloquent in describing these things, and they were different. Some were very brief. Most people, when they preach this section, will either preach through the first 10 verses or the first 14 verses. But I ran across one of the elder saints who is long since now in the presence of the Lord in whole, and I was moved. I was moved by his grasp, by what he saw in the tabernacle, by his passion. I was moved in a way that the others had not even touched. So I adopted his format. And he doesn't begin there. He doesn't begin with just the tabernacle was set. He takes it all the way into Exodus, back to Exodus in its beginning. And he includes some of Leviticus. Most of what you read about the temple you can read, or the tabernacle you read in Exodus and Leviticus. And then he shows what these things mean and how they affect us. So I'm following that same format tonight. So you'll see me uh, referencing my notes quite a bit because there's a lot of material to cover. And I will also be giving you a lot of references. So if you're able and uh, feel inclined, you might want to take notes as we go along. Most of those references will be in, at least for the first part, in the book of Exodus. Also, I'll be pointing out a lot of things that the text that we just read doesn't point out, primarily because, as he states, he's keeping it brief, <laughs> and these his audience had already been through it. Now, this is so that you can have a visual as you follow along with me exactly what we're looking at and where it was located in the tabernacle. So, let's begin with verse 1. Verse 1 tells us, Even the first covenant had regulations for divine worship and for the earthly sanctuary. The author is indicating that he is about to enter into comparison with the old covenant and its temporal and earthy form of worship and the spiritual worship of the new covenant. Now, this is not unusual, as we've seen throughout the book of Hebrews. It's one comparison after another. Jesus and the angels, Jesus and Moses, Jesus and Aaron, you know, the old versus the new. And that's, that is the style he's doing because he's explaining to these Hebrew Christians how what they have been serving and what has had their focus was a shadow of the things to come. It was not the end. Now, I'm going to start in verse 2. Hebrews, it says, Hebrews 9, 2, it says, A tabernacle, a sacred tent was put up. And then he describes it and the furniture in it and the services and the ceremonies and the rituals that were offered to God. And he writes of the shadows that found their substance, their antitype, that which the Spirit sought to reveal in the person and ministry and sacrifice of our Lord. In the 24th chapter of the book of Exodus, we see Moses, and Moses climbed to the top of Sinai. First God called for Moses, Aaron, Navdav, and Abihu, 
and 70 of the elders to come up and worship. And the verse says, worship at a distance. At a distance. Mark that. He calls them up to worship at the foot of the mountain before they embarked to go up the mountain. An altar was made and the blood was shed. The blood of an ox was shed. Exodus 24 verses 4 through 6 and 8. And under the protection of the sacrifice of that blood, those elders with Moses and Aaron and and company climbed up the mountain that burned with fire, Exodus 24, 9. And there they feasted with God. They ate, they drank, and they looked upon God himself, Exodus 24, verses 10 and 11. Under the protection of the blood. Then God called Moses to come up higher, Exodus 24:12, and taking Joshua with him, the two climbed further, Exodus 24, verses 13 through 15. Then on the seventh day, the voice came out of heaven calling Moses by himself alone, Exodus 24:16, and leaving Joshua behind, he climbed to the very top of the mountain which burned with the glory of the Lord with a consuming fire from heaven, Exodus 24, verses 17 and 18. And there for 40 days and 40 nights, God revealed to Moses the plan, the pattern of the tabernacle, Exodus 24, 18 through 27. Now the tabernacle was a revelation to Moses of the plan of grace whereby God would save all the people. And while God is giving this to Moses, in the same time, while God is, is explaining the tabernacle to Moses, the people were at the foot of the mountain dancing around a golden calf. God was revealing to Moses the pattern of the tabernacle, Exodus 32, 1 through 8, and the people were in the midst of idol worship. In the 24th chapter of the book of Exodus, all the people had stood before the reading of the covenant and with one voice said, all that God has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. Exodus 24, 7. And while they were resting on that promise of their perfect obedience, full of confidence in their own self-righteousness, there at the foot of the mountain, God who knew What man was capable of, what was in man, the frailty, the sinfulness, the depravity of the human nature was revealing to Moses the plan of grace which is found in the tabernacle pattern. When the children are taught, at least as much as I know about it, my wife did most of the teaching, but when children are taught, they learn best through pictures through types. So the Israelites were childlike and they were untutored. They were unknowing. They had had no appreciation for the spiritual truths of God or little appreciation. So God taught them with symbols. God taught them with pictures and with types. And for 1,500 years, God prepared humanity for the great reality of Jesus Christ. He gave them a language by which they could understand spiritual truths of heaven. 
He gave them shadows and pictures so that when the substance came, they might enter into the deep mysteries of the spiritual nature of God. So, a tabernacle, a sacred tent was put up, Hebrews 9.2. In the wilderness, God told them, make it 45 feet long, 15 feet wide, And where you have drawn the rectangle of the tabernacle on the sand, place a series of silver sockets, Exodus 26, verses 19 through 21, and verse 25. Then in the hollowed out silver sockets, place the boards, the planks, 15 feet tall, covered with pure gold, and set them in the sockets, Exodus 26, verses 15 through 29. Bind them together with three bars of gold running from end to end, Exodus twenty six twenty nine. It must face the east. I find that interesting because, you know, the Muslim called a prayer. There erect, five, there erect five pillars of gold, and over them spread a heavy curtain, Exodus 26, verses 7 through 14. Then take other curtains and spread them over the golden planks. Beautiful colors, curtains with beautiful colors, beautifully embroidered with the mysterious design of the cherubim worked in them. Exodus twenty six, thirty one through 32. Then on the outside of the tabernacle, make a court of curtains. Exodus 27, verses 9 through 18. To shadow and veil the activities of the priest. Then, on the inside of the tabernacle itself, 30 feet back from the door, put a veil, Exodus 26, 31 through 34, and chapter 27, verse 21. One place will be a perfect cube, 15 by 15, etc. And the front, the holy place, Exodus 26, 33, 34, will be 30 feet by 15. That is the tabernacle, that in every dimension, in every hue, in every part, in every color, is a type and a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ, Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 20. John 1, 14, I just read for you. And the word was made flesh, and skinoo, tabernacle among us. Colossians 1, 19. For it pleased the Father for all the fullness of deity, the sum total of his essence, and all his perfection, powers, and attributes to dwell permanently in him, the Son. The tabernacle was the dwelling place of God among men, Exodus 25, 8. And a type and a picture of the body of our Lord, God's dwelling place among men. Every part, every dimension, every color of the tabernacle was a picture of our Lord. The wood represented his humanity. Exodus 26, 15, Isaiah 53, 2. The gold represented his deity. Exodus 38, 24, Matthew 2, verse 11. The fine linen represented his purity and righteousness. Exodus 26, Verse 1, Revelation 15, verse 6. The blue, the color of the firmament, his heavenly presence, Exodus 26, verse 1, John three thirty one. 
The scarlet represented his sufferings, Exodus 26, verse 1, Hebrews 9, 26. The purple represented his kingly glory, Exodus 26, 1, John 19, verses 2 and 3. Now the great end of the tabernacle was to house the furniture. And we find in that furniture some of the great spiritual realities. There were two kinds in the court and on the inside beyond the veil. These furnishings on the outside in the court had to do with sin. And the furnishings on the inside of the veil had to do with fellowship and communion with God. We cannot approach God until first sin is dealt with, Psalm sixty-six, eighteen. There is a great difference in the furniture on the outer court in dealing with sin and the furniture that represented our communion and worship of God on the inside beyond the veil. The first thing that you saw when you entered the court was the brazen altar, which you see represented. The great altar, Exodus 27, verses 1 through 8, and chapter 29, verses 10 to 12. At each corner of the altar was a horn to which they tied the sacrifice, Psalm 118, verse 27, and to which one ran for refuge and sanctuary by holding to the horns of the altar, Exodus 21, verses 12 through 14, and 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 50, and chapter 2, verse 28. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.